You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just... Mysterious. There are many more stories about the Queen Mary. There are even active stories that I read about nowadays. Is it really haunted? Possibly, very possibly. I don't say it's not. So let's pick up where I left off. That was with the haunting in the kitchen area of the cook that was killed for being such a bad cook by the troops that were being carried into the Indian Ocean during World War II. As I finished with, there are some times where they see the man moving into the kitchen and then he disappears. But it's reported that the guests can hear his screams from when he was put into the oven by the troops. Next we move into the engine room hauntings. The entities of stowaways. The stowaways have been seen still hiding in the engine room where they died. Residual energy in the engine room may be from the incident with the British cruiser Coracoa. It has been reported that the faint sound of rushing water and screams and moans and sounds of pain. The engine room specter or the shaft alley specter is known as John Better. B-E-D-D-E-R and he's been experienced by many people since his painful death like I said he was caught in a door that was so heavy it crushed him he has been described as a young man with dark black hair and he wears a beard and he's wearing gray blue overalls one witness was a security guard and his dog who were patrolling Shaft Alley the dog froze in his tracks fixing his stare on an invisible presence at door 13 and refused to go through the door. That big heavy door has since been removed as the Queen Mary is permanently stationed at Long Beach and no longer has need for engines, engine shafts, or dangerous doors. <laughs> <laughs> 
There was a tour guide that spotted this spirit coming up the stairs behind her in a solid, lifelike form, making her think that he was a lost tourist, but she waited for him at the top of the stairs and he never got there. She was watching him come up the stairs and he just suddenly disappeared. There was another tour guide who was closing the engine room for the night and saw a solid, lifelike man, dressed in blue overalls and wearing a black beard, standing on the step behind him. The tour guide stepped aside to let this gentleman pass, but instead the man vanished again. Apparently, John Better continues his duties, taking care of the engine, seeing it as it was when he is alive, not as it is now. His see-through form has been seen working diligently on the remaining engine. It probably makes him feel better about his painful death and that there was no one there to help him in time. When no one living is down in this area, you can hear a clanging sound, according to witnesses, as if someone is working on the machinery. Again, we return to the swimming pool area as it is a big paranormal hotspot. The medium Peter James identified the pool area as the heart of the ship. Two little girl spirits are there. One little girl unknown and one named Jackie. Jackie, who is around four or five, drowned in the second class swimming pool that is now where the theater is located. The other little girl may have drowned in either pool or died from other causes on ship. These two little girl spirits have found each other and are now best friends. They have fun playing around the pool. Little girls giggling and singing has been heard in the pool area and the dressing rooms. There's a nice looking blonde lady, but she's see-through, although she's wearing a green bathing suit. Guards have seen this blonde, see-through woman swimming in this first class pool, but when she exits the pool, Wet footsteps are seen for a bit and then disappear. Another woman spirit, identified by Mr. James as Sarah, who is in her 40s or 50s, wears a striped old-fashioned bathing suit, and she is supposedly to have drowned in the first-class pool. They see her in solid form preparing to dive into the empty pool. That causes the security guard quite a scare, but... As the woman makes her dive, she disappears, and the guard realizes that the woman was a ghost. This woman doesn't like psychic mediums much and slapped Peter James in the arm so hard that her handprint was seen. A young woman dressed in a miniskirt likes to hang around the pool area. Security guards have heard disembodied voices and the laughter of people having a good time coming from this area. Over in the old first-class queen salon, a female entity called the Woman in White, who is a beautiful woman, has been seen by witnesses leaning up against the piano wearing a formal white gown. Up in the bridge area, the main entity of the poisoned officer, who basically poisoned himself actually, senior second officer William Stark, perhaps a bit mad at himself for dying in such a dumb manner, came up to medium Peter James and identified himself as being Captain Stark. While Peter James is on the old Ghosts, Myths, and Legends tour for the first time, Captain Stark told Peter that where they were standing was where people found his body. Sure enough, the tour guide told her group the same information. This see-through entity, dressed in his uniform, has been seen walking around the bridge area. The most haunted room in the hotel area is B340, originally B226. This spirit became active in 1971 when the Queen Mary 
hotel opened up. This is the guy that died in his sleep on a trip to America. He was a third class passenger and he would have had to go down the hall to group showers. Having a real shower in his room was a big treat. Perhaps he didn't want to share a room anymore and lacks the feeling of having the whole room to himself. While the room is no longer rented to guests, he still has to share his room in the ghost tours and receive the living, at least for a while. When the room was available to guests, they would be awakened by a loud pounding on the door. Lights would go on and off by themselves. When the maids would come in to clean the room, they would find the water running in the shower. Apparently, Walter likes the shower. He didn't like having to go down the hall, apparently, to the group shower, so he loves it in his room. In the room next to B340, one couple was terrified when an unseen presence came through the wall from room B340, pulled off their covers and turned on the lights. Perhaps they were too noisy or maybe they were bothering Walter. Still haunted? According to everything I read on the internet and people's reports after having visited there, yes. Our next place is the Biltmore Hotel in Coral Gables, Florida. It can be found about 10 minutes from downtown Miami, located in the rich suburb of Coral Gables. This 1925 gloriously beautiful Victorian European Biltmore Hotel in Coral Gables is described as a luxury golf and spa resort that from its beginning has been and is still a place of elegance, beauty, and old world charm. It has long captured the hearts of the local, national, and international high society community and deeply admired by the general public as well. Over its many years, when it was being used as a playground resort for the rich, this resort hotel strove to please and satisfy its guests, including the famous and the infamous as well. Its guest list included such notables as Al Capone, the Roosevelt family, the Vanderbilts, Duke and Duchess of Windsor, Judy Garland, Bing Crosby, and Ginger Rogers. It's a well-constructed, multi-floored, beautifully designed Mediterranean revivalist building, and it's the crown jewel among the neighborhood homes and community that surround it. It was carefully and expertly built with the finest materials, and it survived its years of service with the federal government with the University of Miami School of Medicine and a period of being vacant and forlorn and in definite need of TLC. After two major restoration and renovation efforts by the city of Coral Gables in 1983 and 1992, costing 50 plus million dollars, and a third restoration effort by a private organization, costing millions more after 1992, the Biltmore Hotel of Coral Gables now offers a lot for its guests of some means, as well as visitors. Many events such as weddings, fashion shows, etc. are held there. They make good use of the space available. Visitors are welcomed who wish to gawk at the beauty of the palace and enjoy eating at the patio restaurant. That's open to the public. There are tours that many vi visitors and guests take of this hotel, and on Thursday nights, both the public and guests can come and enjoy the telling of the Biltmore Hotel's ghost stories. There are 275 rooms, suites, and tower suites, three ballrooms decorated with marble and mosaic designs, 24 conference rooms, the largest swimming pool in the United States, 
plus all the amenities one would expect from a first-class, five-star resort hotel. This most magnificent hotel was opened with much fanfare in the winter of 1926, and it was the labor of love of two talented men, John McEntee Bowman and George Merrick. Bowman was the gifted entrepreneur who had plenty of experience building grand hotels for society's royalty, being the genius behind the Biltmore Hotel chain in such cities as New York, Los Angeles, and Havana, Cuba. His ritzy Biltmore hotels took good care of their wealthy patrons. Bowman knew what would attract the people with money, offering a palace-like structure with all the bells and whistles and amenities that the who's who of society could expect and appreciate. Bowman got together with equally talented land developer George Merrick, who knew a lot about developing amenities around a swanky hotel and about what kind of community that would be needed to help support such a grand hotel. To increase the odds that the neighborhood would always be in an upper class area, George Merrick had developed and carefully planned the community of Coral Gables, this rich suburb of Miami. Visiting Coral Gables, you can see many lovely homes, a lot of fine landscaping, the University of Miami, nice hospitals, large golf courses, a country club, tennis courts, and lots more which suggests that Merrick did a great job in planning this community. When the hard financial times of the Depression hit Florida, the Biltmore made good use of their giant-sized pool and offered all kinds of water-based entertainment and aquatic sports, from high divers, synchronized swimming, with Esther Williams, to alligator wrestling. Much to the delight of the thousands of people who came each week to see the show. During Prohibition, the private and secure 13th floor suite was the perfect place for a speakeasy and gambling joint. For the entertainment of the hotel guests and wealthy people from Miami, all under the supervision of a local mobster gambler, Edward Wilson, and two fun-loving gangsters from New York, Thomas Fatty Welch and his friend Arthur Clark, who both had left New York City two steps ahead of the law, Wilson leased the 13th and 14th floor of the Biltmore Tower and became partners with Fatty in this endeavor, with Arthur helping Fatty. Besides enjoying a good cigar, Fatty truly loved to party. He enjoyed the excitement, all the lovely ladies. He was a good-natured soul, but had some personal weaknesses that got him into trouble with his partner, Edward, who wasn't a forgiving man. This illegal operation was never raided, because it is thought that some members of law enforcement Coral Gables were bought off. Oh, really? As this was the practice of the mob in not only Florida, such as Fort Lauderdale, but in cities all over the United States, such as St. Paul. After a heated argument, Edward, in a fit of temper, dissolved his partnership with Fatty, probably because he thought Fatty was cheating him, and he solved it with a fatal gunshot. Fatty died right in front of the fireplace in this 13th floor speakeasy. Not only did the police report of this murder disappear, but Wilson disappeared and wound up in Cuba, which gives credence to the idea that some of the police department officials were on Wilson's payroll. However, the hotel knew what was going on on the 13th floor. When Fatty was killed, the tower elevators were locked while all traces of the speakeasy vanished and the people who were involved in this illegal activity were quickly ushered off campus, safe from the police. When officers arrived, 
All they found was the body of Thomas Fatty Welch, and Fatty's friend Arthur was also shot, but he lived. When World War II came in 1941, the Biltmore Hotel fell on hard times. This grand lady was bought by the federal government and was drafted by the armed forces, becoming a military hospital called the Armed Forces Regional Hospital. The marble floors were covered with linoleum and cement blocks covered some of the windows. It was transformed from a high-class international resort hotel into a government institution with a serious purpose, taking care of the wounded. After the war, it remained a military hospital called the Hospital of Veterans Affairs for a time and then was turned into the University of Miami's Medical School until they built their own building. The University of Miami's Medical School stored cadavers of the dead homeless and indigent on the lower floors donated to them from the city of Miami and perhaps surrounding areas. Medical students learned much from them. In 1973, the Historic Monuments Act allowed the city of Coral Gables to take ownership of this now creepy fixer-upper opportunity in need of some major TLC, again with the TLC. This grand building stood vacant and neglected for 10 years by the living. Finally, the city of Coral Gables spent a boatload of money to restore and repair this grand hotel in a process that took about four years. It opened again as a deluxe hotel in 1987, but closed again in 1990 because it wasn't deluxe enough. So another three million was spent to upgrade the 18-hole golf course. Rooms were spruced up and the pool was repaired. These new improvements were enough to spark the interest of a private hotel organization in 1992 who took over the hotel and put another $40 million into major improvements. The Biltmore at Coral Gables was once again in top form and once again became the favorite resort of the well-to-do, the political class, and popular Hollywood stars. Notables such as Margaret Thatcher, Bill Clinton, and Robert Redford stayed there. Many veterans died in the building during the hospital years. Many hospitals listed on hauntedhouses.com have entities who died there as a patient, as you would figure. A young mother fell to her death trying to save her three-year-old son who had climbed up on the balcony railing of their high-rise tower suite. People who died during the process of trying to save a loved one or giving birth to their child sometimes haunt the place of their death as they don't know if their loved one or loved ones was or were saved or not. A married woman was caught by her husband in bed with her lover. Dun, dun, dun. The husband killed them both. Marital infidelity has long been a cause of murder. Being caught in a room with a lover often turns out badly. Hmm. During the 1920s and 30s, gangsters, while on their downtime, they gotta have a place to relax, have tried to behave in places like the public visits and in mob-owned businesses. Though sometimes their business or lifestyle or their temper issues catch up with them, ending in the death of others. Wilson shot Fatty to death in her 13th floor speakeasy. Fatty truly loved this new illegal business venture and all its perks and really enjoyed the Biltmore as well. He was suddenly murdered, taking it all away. People who are suddenly killed sometimes are just not ready to cross over. Entities who were former guests of hotels and places of entertainment 
have been known to visit or haunt these places that hold special memories. During the 10 years that the Biltmore was vacant, 1973 to 1983, people who were on the golf course behind the hotel used to be able to see windows open and closed by themselves and mysterious lights seen in the windows. They also heard the sounds of music coming from the hotel. Because the electricity was off inside the building, many thought the spirits that remained there had taken up residence. Thinking that transients were trespassing and squatting in the hotel, the authorities sent in dogs and police to find the culprits, but came up empty-handed. The 14 police officers and two detectives did see paranormal activity, as their presence did scare the entities there. They heard breaking glass, witnessed the windows on the top floor open and closed by themselves, and also saw phantom apparitions fleeing down the hallways. Their dogs also sensed entities and ran out of the hotel. I'd be right behind them. Guests have been teased by entities who open and close doors and play with the lights. Guests have also awakened to see male entities dressed in hospital gowns looking at them. These shy entities have also been seen wandering the hallways and disappear as soon as the living see them. A transparent couple has been seen dancing in one of the ballrooms and they vanish into thin air in front of living witnesses. The female entity of the mother who died trying to save her baby is known as the Lady in White. This sad entity, why is it always a Lady in White? Why couldn't she be a Lady in Polka Dots? This sad entity lingers in some of the tower suites, wanders the halls, and sometimes sits on guests' beds. She has also been seen rushing around the balcony where she accidentally fell to her death while saving her son. The entity of Thomas Fatty Welch, described as being a jovial spirit, full of fun, and having a deeper appreciation for a good Cuban cigar and women, has been seen. He loves to wander the 13th floor to help out in the elevators, to go to the restaurants on occasion, and still likes the company of the living, especially women. He was so pleased that the Biltmore was restored to its former glory that he's content to hang out there, spending his afterlife in the hotel, getting some chuckles by playfully teasing the guests and staff. And he is friendly and cooperative toward paranormal investigators and psychics. He is thought to be the one who plays with the lights and doors and takes the lampshades for chuckles. Guests have heard his jovial chuckle and witnessed the word boo being printed by an unseen finger on fogged up mirrors in the bathrooms. During an authorized paranormal investigation in the late 70s, he made his presence known in an EVP inadvertently recorded by investigators. He followed them around, breathing very heavily ending the recording with a huge sigh. His apparition has been seen in bathroom mirrors. The elevators in the hotel go from the second to the twelfth floors. To visit the thirteenth floor, a special key is used by the bellhop because the suite there is used for special people like presidents, political leaders, rock stars, etc. Fatty does make exceptions for pretty women and takes things into his own hands. Couples going into their room on the floors below the 13 via the elevator have been taken to the 13th floor, passing the floor that they have pushed the button for, especially if the woman is pretty. Once there, the living have heard people talking and laughing, smelled cigar smoke, and felt a strong presence standing real close to them, 
Sometimes the elevator door shuts before the woman's male companion can get off, leaving his female partner alone with Fatty and friends. Waitresses who are working in the restaurants have had their hands full of plates and have experienced the door to the dining area opening up for them, courtesy of Fatty. There is a friendly female entity on the 13th floor. One woman who was taken by Fatty to the 13th floor via the elevator was greeted with the cheery hello from a filmy female entity floating several feet above the floor. Is the Biltmore Hotel still haunted? Apparently there's a huge yes answer to that. There have been many personal experiences reported by staff, guests, and investigators. Well, that's going to close it off for this week. Guess what? I have more. So we'll just play this thing to the end. I hope you enjoy this series on hotels. I, I know that a lot of people talk about the more famous ones. Oh, we spent the weekend at the whatever hotel, and we caught something in a picture. Well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know. I've never been to them, so I, only the ones here in San Antonio. And I didn't know they were haunted at the time. But if you have a story about staying in a haunted hotel, please let me know about it. I'd love to hear it. Maybe share it on the show if you'd like me to. We have heard about some fancy hotels. We have heard about some regular good people hotels. And they all have similar stories of hauntings. A lot of times it's guests who have stayed and stayed and stayed and sometimes it's workers who remain at their job. I don't know what to think about it. I don't know how I could justify the the facts of that except just believe it. I don't understand everything in life so we'll just take it as the truth. Join us next week as I continue with a little bit more on haunted hotels and remember that on Mondays you can hear Aaron Hunter with the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. On Tuesdays, you can hear Aaron Frail with Aaron's Horror Show. Wednesdays, you can hear me, Terry, with Terry's Mysterious Moments. On some Thursdays, you can hear Patrick Sean Jones with The Sandman Lullaby. You can go to your app store, either on Apple or on Android. Look for the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast app. Download it install it into your device you'll have access to all four shows anyway that's all i have for this week and we'll be back next week with a continuation all right have a great week everybody